Welcome to Calvary Live. We are so glad you could join us through our podcast. Here at Calvary, we want you to live life at the highest level through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. We hope today's message will be an encouragement. So let's go to Acts chapter 2, verse 42. I want to read those verses that we've been using as our foundation, as really our guide to take this uh, journey of faith, this big step that, that you guys, again, have overwhelmingly responded to. I never cease to be amazed at, at the, the incredible uh, commitment and vision in the house here at Calvary. You guys are absolutely the best. So let's look at the beginning in Acts 2.42. <clears throat> Pardon me. They devoted themselves. Again, it was a commitment. This, this is the uh, insight. I love it that we have an eyewitness of how the church began. We don't have to wonder. We don't have to have somebody tell us or try to decide. This is the eyewitness of the church that was birthed in that upper room. This is, here we go. What did they do? What was their lifestyle like? What did it, what was it like to worship? Well, here we have it. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. The very first thing they were devoted to was the word of God. I, I don't have time today to go through this, but I can tell you I am very concerned about the erosion of devotion to the word of God in the modern church today. I can tell you it is the foundation, not a foundation, the foundation. Uh, every generation seems to wrestle with this. And, and let me make this one comment. I'll have to go on. There, there's a new, some new terminology. What happens is we have the same old struggle just given new terminology. Uh, generations past, uh, in the past couple of preceding generations, it was called higher criticism, which is a strange uh, description of people who stopped believing the Bible was the Word of God. It was called higher criticism. Today you may hear this. We, I've heard people, and I see this, they say, I'm deconstructing Scripture. I didn't know you built it. <laughs> so I don't think you have the grade level to deconstruct it. But the root of all this deconstruction of Scripture is at the heart of man. In Genesis chapter 3, nothing new. Every generation has their own sense of entitlement. We see something, know something nobody else did. What was the challenge Satan gave Eve? He said, what did God tell you? She knew. She knew what God told her. She said, we're not to eat from this tree. And you know what he said? She said, we'll surely die. And you know what he said? You won't surely die. Are you sure that's what God said? What happens today, people are wanting to deconstruct or somehow choose from their own place to say, well, this part of the Bible is true, but that part's not. This part of Scripture I hold and this part I don't. Do you know what that allows you to do? You become your own Bible. You become your own God. There's always this sense in man that says, I don't want anybody to tell me what to do. Even when they love me and care for me and are doing it for my own good. And so I just want to help you with that. The church that Jesus Christ built and is building is devoted to the Word of God. It's not up to you and me to choose and pick and cut and paste. I challenge us today to make a devotion, a commitment to the Word of God. If God said it, we believe it. If it's His Word, we follow it. And I, I say this, let God be true and every man a liar. I stand on the Word of Almighty God. All right. So... Did we get that? I think you got, okay. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. That was their lifestyle. 
these rivers that the Holy Spirit would flow through. Word of God, a culture of prayer, and they were fellowshipping and meeting and eating together. So it, it, what happens as a result of that? Verse 43, everyone was filled with awe and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. The same God that birthed his church, the same Jesus who's building his church, is building his church today. These responses, these reactions of the Holy Spirit to God's people are available to the church today. Let's keep reading. What happened next? Verse 44. All the believers were together. There was a unity birth in the Holy Spirit. They were together and had everything in common. Verse 45. Selling their possessions and goods. They gave to anyone as he had need. A Holy Spirit-inspired generosity. Verse 46. Every day, here's the pattern. Here's the rhythm of that church. Every day they continue to meet together where? In the temple court. This gathering, this tabernacling, this assembling of God's people is critical. They did that. And what else? They met in their homes. And they did what? They ate together with glad and sincere hearts. They were devoted to these things. Verse 47. Praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who are being saved. The church was not a building. It was a people. It was not a ritual. It was a lifestyle. And it impacted the world around them as they watched this church love God and love each other. It's dynamic. Let's go to Ephesians 2 and verse 19. And then I want to give you a brand new illustration of what we're reading here. Ephesians 2 and verse 19. How many are, are, are thankful that we're walking in the Word today? Amen. That we're based on that solid foundation. Ephesians 2, 19. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and aliens but fellow citizens with God's people and members of God's household. How many are thankful today you've got a spiritual family? You're in the house. How many are thankful we're in the house? Not just the house of God building, but we're together spiritually. God has put us in the family. We're in a house. What a blessing. Let's keep reading. Built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. So you see, his reference here is to a spiritual gathering of his people. It's not just physical buildings. Of course, we need places to meet. How many of you think we're inside today? <laughs> yeah, I'm glad we're inside today. But it is a spiritual place. What's God's end game? What's the purpose of saving us and then gathering us? What is God up to in the world, in his church? Let's keep reading. Verse 21. In him, in Christ... The whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. See, watch this. Look at that. In him, the whole building is joined together. There's a building process. But what is being assembled is not an ordinary building. It is what? This building together becomes a temple, a holy thing. Look at this next verse. And in Christ, in him, you too, all of us. Come on, say you too. Tap somebody on the shoulder. Say you too. Do it, do it sweetly, nicely. Okay. You too, look at this, are being built, how? Together, what happens? To become a, remember this word, dwelling. A dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. I want to be there, don't you? I, I, I want to be a part of a family, a household of faith that's assembled by God where God dwells by his spirit. Not just in this place, not just in this address, in this building. But everywhere we go. Because you see, think of this. That's why they met in their homes too. The body of Christ, this dwelling place, the church, it gathers 
So we connect and we move and we'll, we'll see even more the value of that. But then we, we spread this everywhere we go. And wherever you go, wherever I go, Sunday through Sunday, Monday through Saturday, wherever we go, we're still connected to that spiritual house. We're dwelling in that thing. So I want you to turn to Psalm 133. Psalm 133. Again, I'm going to uh, let this be illustrated today or we're going to read this out of the Amplified Translation. It just gives a little more insight. Uh, Psalm 133. I want you to turn there with me. Uh, and let's look at this. This is the picture and the promise of what happens when we do what God says. When we live out Acts 2, 42. When we understand what God is doing and building, it becomes so dynamic and life-giving. Listen to me. This nation does not need any more dead, dry religion. Can somebody say amen to that? This hurting generation doesn't need dead ritual. This, this moment that we're living in doesn't need a church that is, uh, what would I say, preserved like a museum. We need a living, breathing encounter with Jesus. We're the body of Christ. The world encounters him through us. We're not him, but we're his body he lives in and works through. We, we, we have these promises. It's powerful. So, so let's, let's begin. Uh, the, the Amplified Translation says this. Behold. Behold. I love that. You know what God is saying? It's like he's sending uh, uh, someone out in front of him. He's saying, hey, 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 get ready. He, he's saying, I need to get your attention. I want you to tap the brakes for a minute. I want you to stop. Can you give me your attention? You, you know, parents, have you ever been trying to, to tell your kids something and they're, you know what they're doing. They're on their tablet. They're on their phone. Uh, earbuds are in. Have you ever have to say, hey, hey, hey. This is important. I want you to hear me. Come on, am I the only one that ever has to do that kind of thing? You know, hey, this is a biggie, okay? And that's what behold means. Behold, he's simply say, stop and take a look at this. God says, behold means, I want you to get this in your eyes. I want you to grasp this. It's important. So, so Lord, you've got our attention today. Behold, okay, we're, we're here. And then he says this. Look at this. How good and pleasant is this thing you're about to see? Good and pleasant means uh, it, the, the Hebrew language here of the Old Testament was originally written in, uh, says to us these kind of words. This is a glad moment. He said, I want you to see this celebration. I want you to see the joy of what happens when we do this, all right? He says, this is an agreeable thing. He says, this, look, I love this word. It's part of he said, this is a prosperous thing. In other words, you're going to be better because of it. You're going to be encouraged because of it. It's going to help you take the next step on your journey as you follow the Lord. It's good. It's prosperous. It's agreeable. God's favor rests on this. So, Lord, you've got our attention. We're beholding, and, 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 and we, we see how good and pleasant this is. And then he uses that word that we just read in Ephesians 2. He says, behold, how good and pleasant it is when brothers do what? When they dwell. There it is. Here's this picture. We get to see a picture of, of this dwelling. When we dwell, this, this word dwell has so many inflections. Listen to this. These are biblical uses of this word. To dwell means God's people get together in a place. Dwell. We, we're, we're in a place. We don't just, you know, it's not a random thing. It's an intentional thing. I dwell there. I live there. I'm connected there. I'm part of this household of faith. How good and pleasant, he says. When you find a place 
you can dwell in. Now, you know, we, we, we have folks that, that uh, may be ill right now. We have some older folks, part of our family at Calvary, that have t- trouble, you know, getting around and moving. And, and, and we have some people that are dealing with distance, that are connected to Calvary. They're just too far to drive. But here's what I want you to say. When, when the Bible talks about dwelling, it's not a casual thing. It's a priority in my life. And so he's saying, if you can gather, you should gather. Huh? You know, thank you for coming in the rain today. <laughs> Tell somebody, look, look around and say, thank you for coming in the rain today. I know you made an effort. I know some of you were afraid you're going to melt. You're so sweet. You know what sugar does. But thank you for taking the, the risk. We appreciate that. And, and if online is your best way to worship, then give God your best. Amen? I remember years ago when we had our television uh, program, I, I had a call from an older retired couple that lived in Coleman. And, and uh, they watched our, our television program every Sunday morning. And they had become older and, and, and they had some physical issues and they weren't able to get in a car and drive. But I'll never forget, when they, they wanted me to know. They said, Pastor, we want you to know. Every Sunday morning, we can't get in the car and drive to church. But we go to church with you. And they say, we get up and my husband puts his suit and tie on. And I get my dress and my purse. And we come sit down on the couch in front of our television. And we turn you on. Pastor, we go to church with you. Now, if you worship online like that, hallelujah. (laughs) It's a dwelling. You understand? It means something. There's some value in it. I'm dwelling there. Let me go on. I'm taking way too much time. So dwelling, it, listen to this. It, it was the same word used where the Ark of the Covenant, the glory of God dwelled on this earth. He said, see, there's something where God says, hey, I want to get close to my people. I, I'm, I'm going to dwell with them. Listen, if God can take a step toward us, I'm going to take a step toward God. If God can say, I'm going to put my glory in an accessible place, I want to access that glory. If God's going to dwell, I'm going to dwell. Anybody with me? If God's going to connect, I'm going to connect. I want to be in that place. What oh, goes on? This word is the same word used. It says when a judge sits down. In his place to make justice. You know what I believe? I believe if the church will be the church, if the church will dwell together in the presence of God, I believe we can release justice in this culture. I believe we can release mercy in this culture. I believe we can literally affect the culture by the way we love God and love each other. There is a sense of literally releasing the government of his kingdom when we do what his word says. Anybody ready to see his will done on earth? as it is in heaven that's the potential of dwelling another word was used when a king sits down and dwells on that throne it's authority it is it is literally the place it, it's so powerful where heaven touches earth where God steps in and says I'm going to be there I'm going to affirm this I'm going to flow through this it, it means to take possession of of something. It was like the, the, for 40 years, the nation of Israel was promised the promised land. It's theirs. It's yours. Come on in and get it. But until they crossed the Jordan, come on, anybody with me? Until they stepped in and faced those giants, if you're going to dwell in the land, you're going to have to take the land. If you're going to dwell in your promise, you're going to have to look at some giants. There are people today who are not living 
the place that God ordained for them because they see some giants over there. But what you have to realize, if God says it's yours, go dwell in it, you're not going to die from the giants. You're going to be a giant killer. You're going to walk in and get this thing. That's the word dwell. It means to. It, it, it means this. It, it, another inflection means to inhabit. It means go ahead and set up house. <laughs> go ahead and do something permanent. Go ahead and make a commitment. You know the final the final definition of dwell. It means to get married. Well. That's some commitment right there. It says make a covenant. Say, you know what's yours and mine. Mine is yours. And we're, we're going to commit to this thing. That's the word dwell. It's powerful. Behold how good and pleasant it is when brothers, when the family of God dwells. See, when we, when we dwell together. And, and, and isn't this interesting? When we dwell together in unity. Together and unity are the exact same word. In Hebrew, this same word exactly. And you know what he's saying? I'm going to put a double emphasis on this. I'm going to say, did you get it once? I'm going to say it again. I, it's good. It's pleasant. When we start to dwell together in unity. Now, we, we need to understand something. Uh, it, it, it's a work of the Holy Spirit. It's a work of the Holy Spirit. Does everybody hear me? It, unity and uniformity are not the same thing. Do you know I believe when God builds a spiritual house, he, by design, makes it a diverse house? How many heard what I just said? God uses diversity to build the place he dwells in his spirit. It's not about uniformity. It's about unity. Unity is the work of the Holy Spirit. Uniformity is what man tries to do. It will always fail. In other words, let me say this. I believe when God connects you with a household of faith, everyone's not supposed to look just like you. See, it's diversity. It's, it's the, listen, I, I'm, you know, I, my body's not... You know, I can't quite do what I used to could do. But don't try me. You know, so. <laughs> it, used be, it used to be like my dad when he got a little older. You know, I, here, here, I could outrun him, but don't let that first punch get on you. You understand what I'm saying? There's something about that old man's strength. Come on, somebody say amen today. See, so, so I, but you know, I, I may not can do what I did when I'm 25, but let me tell you something. My body still works because it's diverse. I'm glad I'm not one big eyeball. I don't think Phyllis would have gone for that. You understand what I'm saying? I'm glad I'm just not one big ear. Okay. So, so what we need to understand, the bottom line is to dwell together in unity is not a man-made fake uniformity. It is a Holy Spirit creation where we celebrate our differences, where we recognize we're better together, where we realize it's iron that sharpens iron. It's you and I together that grow and learn and are better than we could be by ourselves. See, it is a Holy Spirit created unity. We're the body. It's by design. I, I like to say it this way. It's the power, listen to me, of moving from me to we. Did you get that? It's the power of moving from me to we. Think about this. You really can't pray the way Jesus wants you to pray without unity because the first word when the disciples said, teach me how to pray, what did he say? Our, not my. You want to have your prayers answered? You better connect some folks. Not just physically, spiritually. There needs to be a bond in the spirit that is greater than the bonds that man can make. If we're going to pray correctly, our Father, see who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. 
Thy kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Listen, praise and worship, the nature of praise and worship as you read in Scripture. Praise and worship is not a me thing, it's a we thing. Do you understand that? When you read through, it's very clear that, that, that it worship deserves we. It's a unity. It's a gathering and worshiping, honoring God. Can you worship by yourself? Of course. But there are many, many, many verses in Scripture that refer to the gathering, the house, when we worship before God. Uh, worship songs are meant to be sung together. How many hear what I'm saying? That's the greatest setting for that. Now, can, can I help us with something? You know... Uh, there may be a song that's not your favorite. Well, 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 what if they don't sing my favorite song? Well, chances are, come on, let me help you today. Chances are that wasn't for you that day, for somebody else. And so what I have to see, that worship's not about me, worship's about we. And you know the Bible says we rejoice with everybody else rejoicing? So maybe they're singing your neighbor's favorite song. You're supposed to rejoice like they're singing your favorite song. Because you see, that's the body of Christ. Maybe it wasn't about me. Maybe somebody else needed that song that day. And I'm going to sing it with everything I got. Because it's a we thing. Anybody else with me? Do you know great churches? Listen, I don't want you to miss this statement. Great churches are always we churches. Did you get that? Great churches are always we churches. See, when God gets a we, a unit, a body dwelling together, he commands blessings on that house. You know, I, I, I like it. This is what the value of being together. Uh, how, how many appreciate our first responders? Don't you thank God for our police and, and for our fire personnel, medical personnel? I love first responders. Well, you know, God loves first responders. What do you mean, Pastor? Well, when we gather together, I, I want to I be a first responder. Because it's not about me, it's about we. Well, what do you mean? I want to be the first one to clap. I don't want to be the last one. I want to be the first. I want to be a first responder. Everybody with me? I want to be the first one to worship. You don't have to drag me in and on the last note of the last song, I'll finally, well, praise God. No, I, I want to be on the front end of this thing. I want to be a first responder. If you're around me, I want to worship from the first beat. I want to raise my hands first. I want to clap first. I want to give first. I want to be at the altar first. My obedience might give someone else enough faith to take a step they need to take. It just might be what they needed to get up and make a connection with Jesus. You see, we don't live in this thing by ourselves. It's a we thing, not a me thing. I want to be a first responder in the house of God. Come on, anybody there? See, we, we've got to connect this thing. Let, let me say it like this. Remember, we read in Ephesians 2 that he is building this temple. He is, he is putting us together as living stones. Have you ever watched someone uh, set stone, build a home with stone, build a fireplace with stone? It's a little different than bricks. Now, we're living stones. Tell somebody what you can say. You're a living stone. Tell somebody that right now. Because this is important. This is important. See, the unity is a work of the Holy Spirit. It's not man-made. And we have to choose to allow God to do it. How many heard what I just said? I have to choose to allow God to do it. All right. So he, we're living stones. We're building something with stones. Now, you know, I grew up in construction with my father's business. And so I, I've watched this on many occasions. Listen, I want to help you. We're stoned. How many want to be in the house? You want God to put you together with everyone else. Well, this is what happens when you're, when you're laying stone. Sometimes those stones have to be shaped a little bit to fit in that spot. Everybody get that? That stone is almost right, but I got to 
shape it a little, put it in. Can, can I help everybody here? God's not building a wall to fit you. <laughs> He's building me to fit the wall. <laughs> I'm going to say that over here on this side. I think I need to try it again. See, 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 the wall's bigger than me. He didn't build a wall for me. He's shaping me to fit in the wall. Do you know there's some people that can never find a church? There's some people that can never connect. There's some people that can never get settled. There's some people that can never be there. And they always wonder, why don't I fit? Why am I out or why am I alone? It's because we have to submit to the work of the Holy Spirit and allow Him to shape me and form me and move me so He can put me where I belong. I believe there are people that are gifted and called and anointed and need the connection of the body, but they just won't let God work on them. They just refuse to let the Holy Spirit shape them. I need to knock this off my attitude. And I need to change the way I do this And I need to chisel off the way I like that And if I look up the Holy Spirit And boom Put me in a place I'm better than I was by myself I'm locked in God's using me So, so you know I took a little while verse 1 But if you get verse 1 right You get to go to verse 2 You got me So what happens on this thing I love this I love verse 2. Watch this. So then what happens? It's like the oil. Oh, this is where we're headed. See, God says, I have something I want to do, but I have to prepare you to get you there. There's a work if we allow the Holy Spirit to accomplish in us. And I find out for me, it's not a one-time thing. It's a continual process. Can somebody say amen? So he says, now, 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 now. This is what that's like. He uses Aaron, the high priest, as the example, okay? I want you to understand, in the Old Covenant, this was the only person that ever entered the Holy of Holies. This was the one person, think of it, on the planet that had access into the glory of God, to stand before the ark on the Day of Atonement, to be in the Holy of Holies. And of all the things that God could use, he chose the closest human being on the planet, The human being with the greatest access to his presence on the planet to illustrate the blessing of unity and getting together. Wow, that's got my attention. He said, I want you to see this thing. This this is like the oil. This is what happened to prepare Aaron to encounter the living God. It's like the precious oil. It was the anointing oil on his head. Can I tell you something? Unity attracts the presence of God. Unity just attracts his presence. God responds to that. And and you notice this oil was not just any oil. This this was a sacred oil, a set-aside oil. It was the anointing oil. It wasn't for common uses. It was developed, designed, and reserved just for those accessing the presence of God. And and so this oil was often made from olives that were pressed. And out of the pressure, come on, anybody with me? Out of the pressing of the olive, out of the stone grinding in that olive press, this oil began to come out. Can I help you with something today? You may feel like life's kind of putting a pressure on you right now. Maybe you feel some pressure coming on you. Can I give you some good news? God's about to release some anointing in your life and and put you, can, can, can you really, are you really ready for all of this? Do you really want the whole thing? Sometimes he puts you with other people 
so he can press you a little bit. And every time the pressure gets on you sometimes in church, in church, and somebody did something you didn't like, this time, this time, don't run away from it. Come on, don't shut me down now. This time, just hang in there. Because you know what God is doing? There's some anointings about to come out of your life. There's some pressing. See, you can't be pressed by yourself. <laughs> You've got to be pressed with something. And the oil starts to come. And this word uh, is, is, is the... Uh, part of this word is a connotation of, of fatness. It's out, out of the fat, this oil would come sometime. There, there, there's a fat. And I've I got to show you this. Go, go, go to Isaiah 10, 27. I can't stay long, but I, I want you to see this picture. Come on, I'm, I'm going to move faster. Isaiah 10, 27. I want you to see this. See this oil, this anointing, this thing that that causes us to grow fat. I've shared this with you before. This is one of the great insight verses God showed me, but it was disappointing when I first read it in the NIV. See, everybody that's been in a spirit-filled church has heard this verse quoted from the, old, from the King James translation. This is, this is the verse where the Bible says, and the anointing shall break the yoke. How many have ever heard that verse quoted? Man, I love it. Don't we, why? We love it. The anointing will break the yoke. All of us have some yokes. Some strongholds. What do you want to call it? Baggage, issues, you know, drama, whatever the new stuff is. I don't know. You got some more words. Fill in the blank. Whatever it is. And so when you when we read the anointing, we'll break that. God, give me the anointing. But here's the mistake we made. We have thought that means if I go to church and the right pastor lays his hand on me or the right apostle or prophet lays their hand on me, or, 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 you know, if I'm watching Christian television and I lay my hand on the TV and they lay and we, you know, that anointing is going to break this yoke off me. That's pretty good. I mean, that's good. That's not what this says. Because when I read it in this translation, I said, what? Look at this. And that day their burden will be lifted from your shoulders, their yoke from your neck. The yoke will be broken because you've grown so fat. What is that? That's not as exciting as anointing. You've grown so fat. Can you see that altar call? All right. Everybody wants to get fat. Get down here right now. Come on, I'm going to lay hands on you. You're going to get fat today. Come on, everybody that wants to fatten up. Can you imagine? I'm like, uh, no, thank you. So what does that mean? This same word, this same root word. He says, it's like this precious oil. What does fat and anointing have to do with each other? Because, see, we always look at it as coming from the outside on me. Somebody laid their hand on me. Somebody transferred their anointing to me. Somebody prayed for me and anointing came and this yoke fell off of me. But you know what happens? If somebody took a yoke off of you, the devil might can put it back on. But this says, because you're walking with Jesus, because you've been serving God, because you've been moving in the right direction. See, maybe like a young ox, they would take these heavy yokes and put them on their necks as they're young, and, and they would begin to be trained to move and respond because, you know, a full-grown ox can't be controlled by a man, but if from the childhood the yoke is on, he begins to accept, that's going to control me. But this says there's a picture of this, that because you've grown so fat, what does that mean? That inside that wooden yoke, this ox was growing. He was a child. 
child. He was weak in his faith. He just started. But inside, something's been going on. Anybody with me? Something's been happening. Something's turning over. They're growing. They're growing. They're growing. Not just your anointing, my anointing, my relationship. And one day, one day, there's a sound that ox had never heard before because he's too fat to fit in the yoke anymore. And his strength crashes the yoke, breaks the yoke. The splinter flies everywhere. And the Bible says, I not only had the yoke off of me, the yoke is destroyed. You can never put it on me again. I need some of that. You need any of that? Life puts yokes on us. Family dysfunction, disappointments, heartache, broken vows, misunderstandings. We need this. So, so let's go on. Let's go back here. So you see the oil, the fat, the anointing. And look at this. What does he say? How does it come to us? Just a little drop. Just a little bit at a time. No, he says, I'm just going to pour it on you. There's going to be an overflow. I'm not going to dribble. You come here. I'm going to pour it over your head. When God sees this church dwelling together in unity, God says, come here. I'm going to pour this on this church. I believe the windows of heaven are open above us right now. And I believe God's pouring fresh anointing, next level anointing on us right now. It, it, was, it was Aaron's anointing. Access to the presence anointing. Look at this. He poured it where? On his head. It started on his head and began to run down. I have some good news for us. We're the church. We have a head greater than Aaron the high priest. Our head is Jesus Christ. And the Bible says the same spirit, the same oil that raised him from the dead quickens my mortal body. If we're in the church, he's the head of the church. The oil poured down is flowing. It says what is from his head. And this, what is it? What does it say? It's coming down. You know what I discovered in my walk with God? If I get in my place in the body, everything God has for me is coming my way. It's coming down. I've got to connect. Let Him put me, let Him shape me, fashion me, move me, put me in because the anointing's coming my way. The oil's coming. It came from His head. And what do we read here? To the very hem of His garment. To the edges of his garment. Everybody's included. Come on, thank God. Everybody in the house is anointed, is sanctified, is chosen. And where did he... So, so look at this. Look at verse 3. It is as if the dew of heaven, Mount Hermon were falling on Mount Zion. Look, look, look as we come here. For there. See, there's a there. There's a place for there. God said, my eyes are there. God said, my spirit is there. There's a place there's there. Can I give you some good news? There is here today. Come on. We're, we're a there. We're a there. So there, what did God do? Look at this. God did what? He commands. He commands his blessing. That word command literally means God set it in order so that he could do what he wanted. He commanded like a general when he told his forces, line up. Get in order. Stand in place. Why? Because a blessing is coming your way. A blessing is coming your way. Final place. I want you to look in Acts 2 and verse 1. Turn there with me in this final chapter. Acts 2 and verse number 1. What started this whole 242 thing? <laughs> Here's the New Testament uh, picture, parallel of what we've been reading in, in Psalm 133. Acts 2 verse 1. The New Testament church was launched in the prophetic context of that Psalm 133. No longer religion, a high priest. I've got to go through a mediator. I have access to the presence of God. 
I can enter the holy of holies. I can pray and he hears every word I pray because I pray in the name of Jesus. He's washed me and he's cleansed me. His blood has changed my life and washed my sins away and my record's clean. His spirit has come to live inside of me and he doesn't leave me. Then, then he connects me with the family. It's an amazing thing God does. See, there, there's a there. There is a place, a there, that, that, that God has for everyone. A, a, a household of faith, a place of belonging. See, Acts 2.1, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together. See, there's a word. See these same common terms? In one place. In one place. I believe what God is saying to us, the reason we're gathering in this combined season, is that God is saying, I want to get you in one place. I, I, I want to do something. I want to align this church for the next level we're going to. I want to align us for the next season in your life. I want us to be in a place of, of dwelling in the strength and the favor and the blessing of God. And we're receiving this thing. So, so they were, oh, the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. There. There was a there. They were dwelling. They were praying. Suddenly, sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. There's the house. See the dwelling. See the together. See the house. See the there. See the plan of God. It's unique. It's, it's, it's planned. He says, they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be, look at this, tongues of fire, watch, that separated and came to rest on each of them. They saw this fire, this flame came in the house where they were together in unity. They they were together under one flame. How many hear what I'm saying today? They had gathered under this one flame. And as they gathered together, see, watch what God does in His goodness. We're always so worried about individually, but watch this. As they gathered together under this one flame, then it separated and came to rest on each of them. You know what happens when we gather together? Every individual gets what they need from God. When we gather together under one flame, one vision, one voice, one direction, God meets every single individual need like you're there by yourself. God says, if you can get together, I can get to you. How many of you have said? If you can gather together, I can get to where you are. They saw this flame. They saw this fire from heaven. Do you know that always was a picture of the glory of God? It was a flame that was burning in the Holy of Holies over the ark. And God said, I'm not going to live in a house man makes anymore. I'm not going to live in one place behind a veil. I'm going to bring my glory right in your midst. You don't have to be a priest or a pastor or an evangelist or a prophet or an apostle. I'm going to come where you are individually in the house. Everybody gets the corporate anointing. It's an amazing concept. I want you to stand with me today. We're not going to leave, okay? Just stand. we got some good things we're going to do. A worship team, please come join me. One flame. One flame. How many would say today, Pastor... I want everything God has for me. How many want Calvary to be one place under the hand of God, one flame that is igniting a new season in our life? It's a powerful moment. It's an amazing moment that God has brought us to. In a moment, we're going to baptize some folks, and I'll say more about that. But first, let's, let's present ourselves to God. Let's say to God today in this prayer, God... If you want to work on me, I say yes. How many are, how many will say, God, if you need to knock some rough edges off of me, I, I, I know, I know, I know. I know you're perfect. I know mama loves you. But are you willing for the Lord to do some work in your life today? Yes. Come, come on. I'm willing. See, I don't, I don't want to be, 
a stone over by myself. Because I'll never be what God designed me to be till he lets me, till I let him put me in a body, in a house, in a temple, in a dwelling. You know, as we, as we have that, there's, there's a manifested presence that comes. So, Lord, is, I, I want us to say, Father, I, I want Calvary, I want my church to be everything you want it to be. I want it to be a place of your presence. You know, when we come to worship, there's different styles of worship. and It's, it's okay, but it's the heart that matters. But here's, here's what we want to say. When we worship, there's really just an audience of one. We want to say, oh, God, come dwell with us. God, be pleased with us. God, may our worship fill your ears. May our worship be like incense rising and fill your nostrils. May it please you, God. May this be a place where your glory can settle in on us. Aren't you hungry for him? Not just learning about him, but knowing him. Haven't we had enough church? We need to have encounter. We need to have encounter. We need to embrace his presence. You know, when you want to be an encounter church, a presence church, a dwelling place church, it's a little risky because a lot of people aren't familiar with the presence of God. Never encountered his presence. And you know, in our human nature, it'd be easier to worship somewhere where it's not so apparent. <laughs> but if you're hungry, God, I don't want to just have a ritual. I want you to grow in me, work in me, until I love you so much and worship so real to me that I don't even know how anybody else is worshiping. I just want to give you everything I have. With all my heart, all my soul, all my strength. You know, and I really sense right now, I'm going to give you a moment. There's some people in this house, there's some online with us right now, live, that you've kind of stepped away from the house of God. You've been out there on your own. You didn't say, I don't believe in God or I'm mad at God. Maybe you struggle with some of that. But you've stepped out of the house and you say, I need to come home today. I need to connect to God today. I need to come back to him. I, I, I need to accept Jesus in my life. I need to, I need to recommit. I, you know what? You, you weren't born like that prodigal son to live in a pig pen. You were born to live in the father's house. That's your home. That's your home. I want to call you home today. I want to invite you home today. I want to tell you, we've been waiting on you. The fathers, we're, we're ready to have a celebration. We, we want to put your robe back on and your shoes back on and your ring back on. You're not a pig pen dweller. You're a dweller of the household. I want to call you home today. I want to call you home. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. You can connect with us live each Wednesday and Sunday through our social media pages. If today's message has blessed you, please rate and review us so that more people can hear this message of Christ. Find out more about Calvary on our website at calvaryassembly.org.